this shit poster slap, we going ultra black. Black is beautiful. Black is beautiful. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to With That Set Podcast. I just wanted to come on for a moment to talk about what's currently going on in our country today and to share a little bit about my perspective around our social justice issues, what's going on with the economy, and how we can better work together as a people. Um, what inspired me to uh, broadcast this episode today was I was on the community board in my town and I was reading a post by a woman. And in her post, she basically goes on a rant about how black people are responsible for their own deaths at the hands of the police. And that because we don't listen to the cops, because we resist arrest, because we put ourselves in situations um, that we're responsible for our own deaths. And I think what's dangerous about what she said is that all situations involving the cops and black people are not the same. And I think it becomes dangerous rhetoric when you try to categorize all of these incidents as being the same. Um, say, for example, the incident of what happened with Breonna Taylor, her being asleep at home in her own bed, um, to refer to her as an animal and being worthy of her own death uh, was not only troubling, but it was deeply, deeply traumatizing. Um, and you can say the same thing about George Floyd. You can say what you want about his criminal record, about what he did in the past, about whatever contributions he may or may not have made to society. But that does not negate the fact that millions and millions of people sat there and watched that cop put his foot on this man's neck and, and kill him in public. The cop had alternative options in that moment. He could have picked Mr. Floyd up off the ground. There were several cops that Mr. Floyd was completely outnumbered in that situation. They could have, which they already did, arrest him. They could have put him put him in the back of the police car and he should have been punished for the crimes that he committed accordingly should, have found, should it have been found that he did commit those crimes. With that in mind, I could think of countless other incidents in which uh, justice was not served. What happened with Tamir Rice and him being shot simply for having a toy gun, being 12 years old, and to take childlike things away from black children is extremely problematic. Um, when I think about what happened in my own life, my own child, eight years old, was physically assaulted by a grown adult male at his elementary school. And when you see stuff like that and you try to express your concerns, people always seem to come up with an excuse as to why Someone can justify the assault of black children, of black men, and of black women. It's extremely dangerous. It's extremely disconcerting. And we absolutely need to put a stop to this right away. I was reading about the human brain um, because whenever I get interested in something, I, I start to go down these rabbit holes. And I was really fascinated about this particular concept. And the concept was how the human brain responds to trauma. When the human brain experiences any sort of trauma, there is a reaction that happens. And that reaction um, is usually um, mandated by the amygdala, right? So it's A-M-Y-D-G-A-L-A. -A. Don't pardon my pronunciation of it. 
I'm doing my best. <laughs> but that is the part of the brain that handles your reaction to that particular trauma. It sends signals to your body to tell you how to react. And then when the brain is damaged from trauma over and over and over again, the brain cells they stop being able to rejuvenate themselves and they die permanently. When you apply that idea and that concept to racism, it made me wonder if when African-American people, when people of color experience repeated acts of racism over and over and over again, if parts of our brain actually do die, right? Because after a while of experience, it's like, it's like having repeated strokes, right? Because it can be a severe act of trauma or racism can have the same damage to your brain, in my opinion, that a stroke would have. It, you know, it, it paralyzes you. You become paralyzed in fear. You become very conscious about your behaviors around white people. You become even more conscious and, and fearful around your behavior around the police. It's extremely concerning and it's extremely scary. If you repeatedly damage that part of your brain, it, it, it becomes... irreparable. And at that point, your body seeks to adapt via neuroplasticity, right? So it looks for coping mechanisms. And so for black people, that's what we're doing. We're looking for coping mechanisms. And those coping mechanisms look different for each individual person who experiences the trauma. For some people, it might excite them into rage. They might protest. They might loot. They might riot. For other people, they might become closed off. They might cut off their friends. They might fall into low-grade depression or actual depression. And I think it's extremely um, unfair for anyone to assume how one would respond to an overt act of racism if they have not experienced racism themselves. And I think that it happens across all things. I think it happens when it comes to women with sexual assault. People always say, well, I would have did this or I would have did that. I wouldn't have put myself in that situation. I would have did something different. But I think until you're actually in that situation, you cannot say how you would respond to what is happening to you. And I think that when you go online and I've been online in many different environments and I've seen how people who are not of color talked talked about how they would have handled the situation differently, how they would have reacted, how, you know, these people were worthy of their own murders. And it becomes extremely scary to me, extremely scary. I've gone on different social networks and I've posted about my opinions about these particular matters. And what I've noticed is, you know, people tend to avoid um, public commentary around these matters on particular forums, one being LinkedIn. And the reason why that concerns me is because that is how people make their money, right? LinkedIn is essentially a platform that people go on for hiring, um, to network, et cetera. And I think it's it's concerning to me that you can put out your stance on social justice issue and people will view your stance on the issue. They'll scroll right by. They won't like it. They won't take a position themselves. People are afraid to even make a comment on on social media regarding racism or racially charged events because they they fear how their employer or their people who they work with might react to them. And to me, we got to stop that. I'm coming on here to this pocket to say we got to stop that as people of color, especially black people. Let me be very clear. If you are posting something on your social media that's seeking to achieve social justice reform, to combat social justice issues, to 
further the movement of our culture and you are afraid of what your current employer will think about you, you are working for the wrong company. Let me just just be very clear. If you are afraid of what your employer will think about you for standing up for social justice issues that impact the community in which you live in and your own racial identity, you are working for the wrong company. It is a huge favor that God does for you when he exposes who people are to you in a public forum or in a private forum. If you have worked anywhere and you've gone for a job or gone for a promotion and you're, and you did not get the job and you know that in your heart of hearts that the only reason why you were not hired for that role is because of the color of your skin, the age that you are, or any other discriminatory basis of non-hiring, the person who did not hire you did you a huge favor. They prevented you from suffering ongoing mental health issues in a role that you would have been upset in. They prevented you from further engaging with them because they are a dangerous person to engage with. And they gave you foresight and insight into the organization in which you work for. And so you at that point, just because I said it was a favor, doesn't mean you don't have to take action against it. And I think that's something that enough black people aren't doing. Enough people of color aren't doing. They just sit silent. They just take it on the chin. Stop taking it on the chin. I had an episode in which I had an employment lawyer on um, a few episodes back. And she talks a lot about employment law, social justice reform, being in diversity and inclusion space and how that manifests itself in corporate culture. And I think so. And often, and what she said in, in the episode was that from the most for the most part, it's a misunderstanding that there is an open communication and open dialogue between the employer and the employee. And so one of the two are making assumptions about what happened or what didn't happen. And so I want to encourage that conversation, right? If you don't stand up for yourself, if you do not stand up for what is right, if you don't stand up for your own professional future, you are doing yourself a disservice and you're doing the organization that you work for a disservice because they cannot fix problems that they are unaware of. People who discriminate against people of color at corporate levels are dangerous to the organization. They cost them money, they cost them talent, and they cost them a sense of community and culture. We, these people have to be outed and we have to get rid of them. And so when you post on social media about your, your position on social justice issues and you get backlash or you get a phone call from a manager saying, why'd you put that up, et cetera, et cetera. Look at that as a favor. Now I'm not saying you go on social media and you call people names or you talk crazy. Obviously anybody who's listening to this should have good common sense not to do that, you know, but if you're putting out actual content, that's going to make a difference to the community in which you are a part of. Do not feel afraid of doing that. Just do it. God put it in your heart for a reason. Act on it. Now, with regards to everything else that's going on with social justice reform, with Jacob Blake and with Kyle Rittenhouse and what he did, you know, I've I've been in different social spaces, predominantly white social spaces versus predominantly black social spaces. And the commentary in which they use around what happened is amazing to me. 
I say this as a point of comparison, not to take a, a particular stance. But when Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel at an NFL game as a protest to social justice issues facing the African-American community, he was ridiculed. He was fired from his job. He was thrown to the wind and to the dust. He was completely outlined. The whole world almost turned against him. When Kyle Rittenhouse pulled out a, a, a assault rifle and shot multiple people at a Black Lives Matter protest, he is being called a vigilante, a hero, a patriot. I've heard this guy call every single thing except for what he was, which was a murderer who had no business being at a place in which call, did not call for violence. No one, if you watch the video back, you will not see anybody else carrying a weapon. He was not defending himself against another person holding an assault rifle or a handgun or a bat or anything. He was engaging in an act of violence because he could, because he knew that this country would not only defend, but would also protect him at all costs. That's the problem. And that's where the issue is. And I think it doesn't matter who you are as a person of color or a white person. You have to use your conscious intellectual capacity to make an informed decision about what is happening in front of you. You cannot justify Breonna Taylor's death. You cannot justify the death of Tamir Rice. You cannot justify the death of Philandro Castile. You cannot justify the death of George Floyd. It doesn't matter what walk of life these people came from. It doesn't matter what contributions they were making to this community or lack thereof. What matters is that their life mattered and that those situations could have been resolved in non-violent manners. And that is the point of this podcast episode. You don't need to use brute, violent, lethal force to resolve an issue. You don't have to. And so I want everybody to take a moment as you move forward into tomorrow, into the next weeks, into the next months with this upcoming election. And I want you to really think about what matters to your family and to your community and to the betterment of the society that we live in. Ask yourself, what am I doing to positively contribute to the social justice conversation in this world? What am I doing to help somebody who may be in need? What am I doing to give a lead to somebody who may be looking for a job? What am I doing to help someone rebuild their resume, make an introduction to somebody who really needs it? Because that's the only way we move forward, people, is by helping one another. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. If you are not willing to aid your neighbor and understand their situation, you are a part of the problem. All it takes is a little bit of compassion. Exercise some. And thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Bye, guys.